MLB Pipeline made their final top 100 update of the year, and there's a new number one pitching prospect. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I want this to be your show. If you have show ideas, questions for our Monday mailbag, comments, concerns, reviews, tons of ways to get them to us. Best ways probably are subtext. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. Uh, so MLB Pipeline, now that the trade deadline has passed, uh, has done their final top 100 update of the regular season. So they'll, they'll probably revisit this sometime at the end of the year. And then between then and the start of next season is when they typically go back over this. But not everything changed. Jackson Holiday still the number one prospect. Jackson Churio still the number two prospect. Maybe go name your kids Jackson. But we have a new top pitching prospect in baseball, and that's right-hand pitcher Paul Skeens of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Previously at LSU, was the number one overall pick in the draft and debuted in Complex League last week. Threw like 11 pitches, I think 10 of them were fastballs, 8 of them were strikes, and between the time I am recording this and the time that you will see or hear this, he will make his start for low A Bradenton for the Marauders on Tuesday night. So, provided that this weather, this thunder and lightning that I'm dealing with does not uh, rain him out. So, obviously, a very talented player. 6'6", 235, has the frame, has the velocity. We saw him sitting at 101 deep into outings. I think it's the College World Series, over 100 pitches. He's still throwing 100 miles an hour. And when they put out the best tool rankings to go along with this top 100 list, uh, MLB Pipeline said that Paul Skeens had both the best fastball and the best slider of any pitcher in this uh, top 100. And previously, the the best fastball was Daniel Espino. And they said, nope, Paul Skeens has overtaken him. He averaged... In the spring at LSU, he averaged 98.6 miles an hour. He touched 102. It's got, a, it's got that very in vogue, flat approach angle, really good carry up in the zone. So they gave him that. And then for the slider, they said also up against Daniel Espino, he previously had the best slider too. And they said, nope, it is now Paul Skeens as well. Sits mid to upper 80s, has two plane break. And in college, had a 62% swing and miss rate and a 32% chase rate. I have seen the slider in person. I can say that it is as good as they say it is. And part of that is because he is absurdly good at commanding the slider. He can put that slider exactly where he wants. I watched him in a start against Auburn and luckily had a TrackMan dashboard in front of me And I watched him hit the exact same pixel on the board with three consecutive sliders all down and away. It was a very impressive performance. He is 
That's why I was so high on he should be the number one overall pick because he's just a very unique player that you have we have not seen again since Steven Strasburg, if at all. So completely get that. Something that I noticed watching the footage from his outing in complex last week, thought it was really interesting. He was moving sides of the pitching rubber. And that's something that you see based on hitter handedness, he would move side to side, but I think he's doing it the wrong way. So what he did, and I'm not advocating for change. The last thing I'm going to do is try to tell Paul Skeens to change something until it doesn't work. But I'd love to hear his thoughts as to why he did this. So against a right-handed hitter, he was over on the third base side of the rubber. So he was on the same side as them. And against a a left-handed hitter, he moved over to the first base side of the rubber. So again, on the same side as them. And I'm really curious for the thought process here, because when I think about this, what I think about is you would want to be on the opposite side as the hitter because yes the fastball is great but then you're throwing a slider that has plenty of horizontal break and it makes sense to me if you set up on the opposite side as the hitter then that pitch of yours let's say okay he's a righty let's say he's throwing to a lefty if you set up on the third base side on the opposite side away from the left-handed hitter then that slider If you're throwing that slider inside on them, it spends more time looking like a fastball on the way to the plate, like a sweeping kind of breaking ball coming from the opposite side of the plate is going to visually look more like a strike for longer. And so a changeup, a two-seamer to a lefty, uh, a slider, a four-seam fastball to a righty, like they they come, it's harder to pick them up because they come from a more extreme angle and they spend more time as a strike. And so again, I'm like, I'm not saying that he needs to make any changes. It's just an interesting observation that I'd love to know why he chooses to do that differently and be on the same side of the rubber as the batter versus the opposite side. Maybe there's something else that he's doing. Maybe it's so that he hopefully... If he misses, doesn't miss over the plate. I'm sure there's thought processes to this. I would just love to hear what it is because the amateur pitching analyst that I am thinks that you would want to maximize that horizontal approach angle to make that chase pitch a little bit better. The number 20 prospect on this list, left-hand pitcher Kyle Harrison of the San Francisco Giants. 2023rd rounder out of high school and... This year so far, 19 games in AAA, one and three with a 4.52 ERA in 61 and two thirds innings, 98 strikeouts, so 14.3 per nine to 48 walks, 7.0 per nine and nine home runs allowed. Sits at number 20, again, is the second best pitcher on the list, as well as the number one left-handed pitcher. And it's really interesting to me that he sits right here because Yes, the fastball is really good. He throws a sweeper along with it. And then the change is perfectly fine. And he gets good results on some of these. 35% strikeout rate is very healthy. He's also got a 17% walk rate. And some of that may be coming back from injury. But the fastball is very good. 70 grade. The Emily Pipeline write-up talked about 
I think it was a 40% swing and miss last year. So absolutely absurd, but it gets a 32.5% CSW, which we've talked about. Usually fastballs are lower than breaking pitches and the goal for your arsenal is to come out around 30%. So that's really good. And then the swinging strike rate on the fastball, 13.7%. It's a really unconventional delivery. Like the release point is lower and he's got really good deception on everything as far as the ball is hidden behind his body for a very long time before it comes out and comes to the plate. But I feel because the deliveries, like the release points low and because of the way that the ball stays hidden and then whips out last second, I feel like that's hurting the command. Only, like only the fastball does he throw for strikes more than 50% of the time, and that's 52%. His overall arsenal to, the, to this point in the year in AAA, so 1,191 pitches, he's thrown the whole group for 47.3% strikes. So I feel like I wanted to talk about Kyle Harrison in yesterday's show as a guy who potentially could come up at the end of the year to help the Giants out, maybe in a relief capacity with that fastball slider combo because the sweeper is in vogue and really good, but he, th- he, he walks too many guys still. And I don't quite know, do you just accept an effectively wild guy or is there more work he can do to fix that? Or is that necessarily just something that as he gets farther away from the injury, that'll get better. So either way, find that really interesting, but those are the top two pitchers on this list. There are a couple other pitchers that were added out of the draft. Rhett Lauder of the Reds is at number 44 on the list. Noble Meyer to the Marlins, the right-hander, is at 60 on the list. And Chase Dollander from the Rockies is at 64 on the list. When you're looking at the previous number one pitching prospect in baseball, which was Andrew Painter, he's actually dropped down. He is the third pitching prospect now at 29. And you'll remember he's having Tommy John. He's probably not going to come back until 25 with Cade Horton of the Cubs right behind him at number 30. So stacking up there. In just a minute, I want to talk about the youth on this list because there's a very interesting observation to be made about which levels a lot of these guys are playing at. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bunches. I have to tell you about this new app. It's a new app built for sports fans where you can chat about sports in real time. You go to the Apple App Store. You can download Bunches now. If you're an Android user, that app is coming out soon. You can go to their website to get on the waiting list. But this is the place where sports fans chat. Locked on MLB, we have a group chat on Bunches. You can go there now, connect with our baseball fans chat with your favorite team and keep up with the latest MLB news. You can chat about your team every day. So download the Bunches app today. And when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked on MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link in the description of this episode to join the Locked on MLB Bunch community today. Okay, so one of the interesting observations about this list, if you just go through the top 15, is how young these guys are. Number one, Jackson Holiday. He's in double A. Number two, Jackson Churio. He's in double A. They're both 19 years old. After that, 
You have number three, right-hand pitcher Paul Skeens in A-ball. Number four, you have outfielder Dylan Cruz in A-ball. Number five, you have catcher Ethan Salas of the Padres. All the way up to five, he's in high A. We just talked about that the other day. I'll link that episode right up here and put it in the show notes. Number six is Junior Caminero of the Tampa Bay Rays, shortstop and third baseman. He's at double A in his number six. He's the one I'm most worried about will not be at double A by the end of the season, and I need them to leave him there because I am calling a week of Montgomery Biscuits games to close out the regular season, and I need Junior Caminero to still be in double A when I am there in person. James Wood, the outfitter for the Washington Nationals, is at number seven in double A, meaning the Nationals have two outfielders in the top 10. We talked about this a couple weeks ago about which team now has the best three outfield prospects. The Nationals are up there because they have so many options for that third guy, Robert Hassel, Elijah Green, whoever it might be. Number eight, Evan Carter, the outfitter for the Texas Rangers, is in double A. Another situation where we talked about they could have three really good outfielders because Wyatt Langford is on this group as well. Number nine, shortstop Jackson Merrill of the San Diego Padres. Stage 20, he's at double A. That's two Padres in the top 10. Number 10 is Jordan Lawler. He's listed on there on MLB Pipeline as being at double A. He was just promoted to triple A. I want to say the morning that I'm recording this episode, if not the night before. So I don't believe he's actually played at AAA as of time of recording, but he is in AAA right now. Marcelo Meyer of the Boston Red Sox at number 11. He's in AA. Pete Crow Armstrong of the Cubs. He just got moved to AAA somewhat recently. He's number 12. It's the first guy in this entire list to be in AAA. Number 13, Wyatt Langford. He's in high A with the Texas Rangers. Number 14 is Colton Kowser. He just got moved back to AAA from MLB. And then number 15 is Max Clark of the Detroit Tigers, the prep outfielder who was drafted in the top five. He's in rookie ball still. And then actually, Walker Jenkins at 16 of the Twins is also in rookie ball. So there's a lot of very young players, very lower level players, right? A lot of these guys, with the exception of Colton Kowser, a lot of these guys are, at best, 21 years old. You have three 19 or younger guys in your top five in Holiday Churio and Salas. And there's a couple reasons why I think you're seeing so many lower-level players in the top 15. And it's coming at it from both directions, right? It's where your talent's coming into the minors, and then it's how your talent's getting siphoned out of the ma- out of the minors into the majors. And I think part of this is the 2022 and 2023 drafts were exceptionally good. And the reason those drafts were exceptionally good is because it's all downstream from that messed up 2020 year where you only had a five-round draft. A lot of the prep players that would have been maybe a fifth rounder or a sixth rounder but got first round money or second round money or guys that would have been an 11th rounder who got third round money, those guys didn't get drafted at all. And so a lot of them went to college or a lot of your JUCO guys who played a year of JUCO and were going to get drafted after a year of JUCO ended up going to a two-year school or to a a four-year school. 
And so all of that extra talent matriculated to 2022's draft. If the guys were eligible early, the draft eligible sophomore thing, it was by your age or the 2023 draft, which we may look back at the 2023 draft when it's all said and done and say that was a historic draft for MLB talent. Obviously, it's going to take a long time to figure that out. But just looking at it from up front, it feels like that was one of the strongest drafts, especially at the top in a very long time. So that's part of the reason is you had so much high level talent just get into the minors in the last year or two. Looking at this, you have guys in the top five that were drafted a month ago, right? Uh, Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz were one and two. Wyatt Langford, right there in that top 15. Max Clark, Walker Jenkins, like those were all top five picks and they're right there in your first 16 choices. And then right after that, like, and then the other reason there is the prospect promotion incentives, right? MLB has done a lot of work with the Players Association in the collective bargaining agreement to encourage teams to not manipulate service time and to bring top prospects to the bigs. So reminder, if your prospect is on two of the three specified top 100 prospect lists, gets a year of service time, and finishes in the top two in Rookie of the Year voting, you are eligible for a prospect promotion incentive pick. We saw that work out with Julio Rodriguez. The, the Mariners had three picks in the first round, and the second of the three was from the prospect promotion incentive. The other part of that is those players, provided they don't sign extensions, are then eligible to earn you another pick if they are in the top voting for MVP or for Cy Young. And so you have more incentive. Like it's not, everybody thinks if they don't win rookie of the year, it wasn't worth it. No, it can still be worth it because they can get the, you can get the pick for rookie of the year. You can get the pick for Cy Young. You can get the pick for MVP. Now, obviously Cy Young and MVP are a lot harder to get than rookie of the year because you're competing against a lot more players. But you can, like it doesn't, they don't have to be in the top two for rookie of the year for you to get rewarded for calling them up early. And so more teams are taking those players and bringing them to the bigs early. And then to go along with that, you're getting credited for service time. It's a lot easier to get a year of service time. And so holding the players back to try to manipulate the service time and get an additional year of control you have to keep them in the minors for so much longer now that it's almost not worth it. They're going to get a year of service time in most situations. And so because of that, teams are promoting more top prospects. And we've seen every year, it feels like, since this whole started, opening day, there's so many top prospects that are up all year. Look at last year. Bobby Witt, up all year. Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Strider, up all year. Michael Harris for the Braves, they didn't get a PPI pick for him because he wasn't up all year and he also wasn't in the top 100 list, but he signed an extension anyway. But it, it's something where teams are now incentivized to bring their guys up and then the influx of talent has been so extreme at the top in the last two years that now virtually this entire top 15 
with the exception of Pete Crow Armstrong, who just hit AAA, and Colton Kowser, who just actually got sent back down, all of these guys are still, like, they're in A ball, they're in high A, they're in double A. Because you've promoted so many guys out. In just a minute, we're going to talk about where the talent is distributed in this top 100 and what organizations are doing a lot better than maybe you expected. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check mark to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. It's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right price at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions do apply. Okay, so the MLB Pipeline Top 100 is out. Obviously, go check it out. It's like MLB.com slash Pipeline. It's right there. They're going to be talking about it plenty. But when you look at uh, where the players are and what organizations, there's some surprising things here. There's 27 outfielders in the Top 100, which... If you think about it, it makes sense. Every team has three at a time. It makes sense that you would have a lot of them. Shortstop is next with 19. Again, makes a lot of sense because most right-handed starters on your, like most right-handed position players on your team probably at some point in time in their career started off as a shortstop, right? And in, Either they had to kick out to third, they had to kick into second, they had to leave the dirt and go to the outfield. A lot of those guys probably started like that if they're a right-handed starter. After that is catcher, because catcher is such a fundamental position that obviously it takes the longest development time of any of the position players. You're trying to get these guys in there. After that, third base, there's nine third basemen. Then there's four second basemen and then three first basemen. The first baseman thing makes sense. That is the position where you're best able to move somebody in. It is the least demanding position defensively. Third base is harder than second because you have to have the arm. You usually have to have the faster reactions, whereas second base, it's more about speed of the hands uh, and some range stuff there. And most shortstops can kick in the second base just fine, but they can't always kick out to third. So, Makes a lot of sense that it's set up like that. Pitching. There's 27 pitchers in the top 100, which if you think about the construction of an MLB roster, 26 guys, you usually have 13 and 13. So it's a little bit low, believe it or not. 20, but of the 27 pitchers, 21 righties, 6 lefties. So this and last year, that's the lowest percentage of pitchers on MLB Pipeline's top 100. It just feels like so many of these pitchers are either uh, getting injured or they're getting promoted. So they're not hanging out in that top 100 for very long because if they're really good, the teams are bringing them up and they're pitching in the bigs or they're still trying to get better in the minors and they haven't broken the top 100 list yet. When you look at which teams have a lot of players on there, 
we knew the Orioles were going to be towards the top, right? The Orioles have six guys in the top 100. Obviously, they have number one in Jackson Holiday. They've got number 14 in Colton Kowser. They've got number 25 in outfielder and first baseman Hessen Kierstad. They've got number 28 in corner infielder Kobe Mayo, who I wondered would, if he would get traded or not at the deadline. They've got catcher and first baseman Samuel Basillo at number 50. And they've got infielder Joey Ortiz at 54. So not only do they have six, but five of them are in the top 50. And the sixth one is just outside the top 50. When you look at the other team that has six, believe it or not, it's the Pirates. The Pirates have obviously Paul Skeens at number three. That definitely helps, but they have second baseman Tamar Johnson, their first round pick from last year, number 23. He's in high A right now. They have catcher Indy Rodriguez. He is up at the major league level, so he'll, he should graduate from this by the end of the season, provided they don't send him back down. And then once you get past that, it's a little bit later in the list for the rest of them. Hand pitcher Jared Jones is at 74. He's in AAA. Left-hand pitcher Anthony Solomedo of the Pirates is at AA at number 89. And Quinn Priester, the right-handed pitcher, comes in the very back at number 98. He is an MLB as well. He should also graduate off this list. So when you resort this list at the end of the season, they may drop from six back down to four. That's why these aren't always exact. Just saying, oh, we have five top 100 prospects. Doesn't necessarily uh, paint the perfect picture because it's a snapshot of right now. And that may look different in two weeks. Or it may have looked different two weeks ago because you may have had guys that had not graduated that have now graduated. At five, what we are with five prospects, there's six different teams. The Brewers, the Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, of course, the New York Mets. They just got a bunch of guys at the deadline. The Reds, who, believe it or not, have not completely depleted the farm system, even though you probably expected they had because they promoted so many position players. Noel Marte is sitting there at number 24. And then they've got Rhett Lauder at 44, like we mentioned. And then a bunch of guys in the back half. Edwin Arroyo is back there. Christian Encarnacion and Strand, who's going to come off of this list. Connor Phillips, who we talked about the other day, he's on this list. So quite a few guys there. And then the Colorado Rockies is perhaps one of the more surprising ones to think about being up here. They have shortstop and second baseman Adele Amador at 21. He's in rookie ball right now. And then after that, a lot of their guys are in the back half, right? Yankeel Fernandez at 53, the outfielder. He's in double A. Chase Dollander, they just drafted him, the right-handed pitcher out of Tennessee. He's at 63. You can keep going through this, and you can look in, as you get back. Jordan Beck, the outfielder, at 88. He's in double A. Zach Veen at 99, the outfielder in double A. I don't quite know if Zach Veen is still a top 100 prospect or not. That might be worthy of a deeper dive. But either way, he's still on here as well, and he's the fifth guy. Conversely, there are two teams that on this list do not have a top 100 prospect at all. First one is the Houston Astros. The second, because if you remember, they traded some of their guys to, to the Mets to get Justin Verlander at the deadline. They shipped some guys out, and somebody who would have been on this list had they not made the trades. Drew Gilbert would have, he's at number 56, but he's here for the Mets because he got moved in the deal. And then the Kansas City Royals are the other team that don't have a player in the top 100. Obviously, they had promoted a lot of young position players last year, but then controversially, early in the draft, 
they took a prep catcher, Blake Mitchell, over college catcher Kyle Teal, who went to the Red Sox. So Kyle Teal, picked at 14, is number 88 on this list, whereas Blake Mitchell out of Sinton, Texas, is not on this list. And so because of the decision to go with prep catching over college catching, the Royals don't have a guy on here. Stay tuned. Some more fun coming up. A little bit of AL East focus here. We're going to have a crossover with our friends from Locked on Rays, talking about their prospects, who can help them on the playoff chase, things like that. And then we're going to drop some more prospect rankings on Friday with the New York Yankees. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you have questions for our show, our Monday mailbag, show ideas, things like that, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMBProspects at gmail.com or Drop your questions into Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Links in the episode description, links in show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor.